The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone. We want to greet everybody with the sense of namaste and with the energy of those of you listening from all over the world. Um, this has been the greatest thing to go to Facebook Live. I'm telling you to be able to see you. Hello to Jax and glad you're here with us. And just so many people tuning in. We are so blessed. As I like to say before every show, there's a tremendous difference between people who have intentions and people who are intentional. And what I mean by that is think about New Year's resolutions, for example, the the numerous things that people make on their list that in three months, a lot of times people don't even remember what they are, or they get preoccupied with life happening, and therefore they uh, get distracted, or they say, well, what the heck, why bother, or whatever, where intentional people are people that in spite of external circumstances, they will take the circumstances of what is happening to them and transcend it to fulfill their intentions of life. And that's no different than our wonderful guest today. I'll give a shout out to April. Thank you for listening. But our guest today is Alan Bell. And Alan Bell is indeed an intentional spirit. He's an individual that was on a career path, that was leading him in one direction, and it ultimately, because of circumstances that happened, he has transcended his life to be cause-related and help so many others. Alan Bell, welcome to our show today. I'm so happy to be here, Temple. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that that you're here. And um, to benefit all of our listeners, um, give us a little bit of background. You can start wherever you want to. Um, But give us some background about you, uh, what you used to do in your career, and blah, blah. Let's get into the depth of of your life and your work. Okay, so let me take you all back to the 1980s. I was living in South Florida. I was an organized crime prosecutor um, going after Colombian cartel drug rings and the mob. I was wearing a 357 shoulder holster, hanging out of helicopters, and going after the bad guys about the same time they were filming that television series, Miami Vice. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry? No, I'm just going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. When Don Johnson was actually filming that over there on Miami Beach, I actually was one of the advisors on their series. Uh, to give them advice on how to make their um, episodes more realistic. Uh, So I was in the courtrooms every day um, doing this, day in and day out. Um, I was living the American dream. I had a new new baby girl, new house, going on ski vacations, and I was actually um, making preparations to run for a United States senatorial seat at that point in time. I was living the American dream. Uh, and um, suddenly something strange happened, and my life went on a completely different course 
than I thought I was headed. What happened? <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to ask me that question. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping you. I'm keeping you all in suspense here. You thought I'd never ask, right? What? <laughs> well, well, what happened was I started off getting a strange set of symptoms. My throat started getting scratchy. My eyes started burning. My lungs started hurting, and then it progressed to the point where I felt like I had a flu. Uh, my temperature uh, was increased. My joints ached me. I got so fatigued. And that's when I started going from doctor to doctor. And I started off in doctors in South Florida, and they couldn't provide me answers. So I began my search all over the United States. I went to the finest medical institutions in America, Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, National Jewish in Denver, Colorado, and the list goes on and on and on. Until finally one day, a doctor in Denver sat me down, and he had a very grim look on his face. And he looked at me in the eye and said, Mr. Bell, the blood tests came back to indicate that you were poisoned. And I sort of jolted back in my chair and said, well, what do you mean I was poisoned? Yes, that's exactly what I mean, he said. Do you know of anybody, he said, who do you think would poison you? <laughs> and I just sort of sat back in my chair and, and chuckled, thinking all the dozens of mafiosos and Colombian cartel drug people would have loved to got a hold of me and poisoned me. Right. So that's what I told him. He said, well, we're going to do some more blood tests, but in the meantime, why don't you go back and rest in South Florida for a little while before we get ready for the next round of testing. So I came back to South Florida, and I sat my investigators down, and I immediately asked them to go and find out who poisoned me. And then they began an investigation into all aspects of my life, they went and tracked down where I, the restaurants that I ate in, the, the movie theaters that I went to, the gymnasiums that I worked out in, the friends that I associated with, everywhere and everything and every place that I went to. And finally, they came back to the office building that I had recently moved into. And you know what they found? They found out that there were other people in the building that were getting sick as well, this office building that I was in. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, you mean they're poisoning them too? <laughs> that was my first thought. Sure, That yeah. we're all being poisoned in this building. Well, I went to an environmental health specialist in Boca Raton, Florida, who just specializes on this kind of stuff. And he looked at all the medical records and all the places that I've been to and all the testing procedures that I underwent, and he said, I know what's wrong with you. I said, what's that? He said, you are working in a sick office building, and that's what made you ill. And then he said, that's just the good news. The bad news is this, that you have become hypersensitive to everything in the environment. Perfumes, colognes, hairsprays, automobile exhaust, carpeting, and the list goes on and on and on. And because of that, Mr. Bell, he told me, you are going to have to live in isolation for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. Because, because your exposure to these substances that you have now become hypersensitized to is causing you seizures, and by that time I was undergoing grand mal seizures, and if we don't stop the seizures, you're going to die. I said, well, what do I do? He said, you need to live in isolation, a place far away from any molds or pollens or chemicals. So they found this 800-square-foot bubble, environmental bubble, in the middle of the Arizona desert. And that's where my wife and my two-year-old girl and I went to. 
Let me describe to you this bubble. Would you like to would you like to hear what it was like? Yeah, of course I would. Okay. <laughs> I'm hanging on to every word, and so okay. is our audience. We're getting all kind of comments. Such an important uh, story. Okay. So, thank you for sharing this story. Absolutely, we're. It's quiet because you have our undivided attention, and we also know so many people right now that are going through this very thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. it's, and I have a number of questions that I want to ask you about the physical aspects and stuff like that. But, um, yes, yeah, so what was the – they're basically saying, hey, look, this is the rest of your life. You've got to deal with it. Now you've become overly sensitive to everything. And we're going to have to create this bubble for you. So what was that like? Well, it was an 800-square-foot um, bubble. It was made out of glass, brick, and steel. That's it. Wow. Um, and on the inside, there was no carpeting. There were no drapes. There were no soft materials like pillows or, um, you know, or or soft, you know, couches with, with uh, uh, cottons or linens to, to sit on. It was basically a cold, austere jail cell. All it was was glass, brick, and steel. That's it. That's and what I was thinking. It's almost like a jail cell. It's almost exactly. like it's your, own, your own prison. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and the irony uh, with this is is that... I was the guy who was putting bad guys away in prison, yeah. and, yes. and I ended up imprisoned in my own body due to committing no crime myself. Right. That was there's a lot of ironies to this story, and and, and it, it gets better. And on the outside of the bubble, fifty miles in all directions, all you saw was cactus. There was no roads. There were no cars. There were no people. There were no homes. There were no stores. There were no street lights. Desolate and isolated. I don't know how many of you all saw that movie, The Martian, um, with Matt Damon, where he was stranded on Mars away from everybody and everything. And that's basically how I ended up. And by that time, I was in a wheelchair, tethered to an oxygen tank. I had gone down to 145 pounds. And I'm a six, I was a six-foot-two athlete before this happened to me. So here I am in this wheelchair, and um, unfortunately, uh, my wife left me. Uh, she could not, she was not wired to be able to handle this kind of a, a situation. Mm-hmm. And she left my da- our daughter, too. So it was just me and my little girl alone in the middle of nowhere. So I look into her big blue-green eyes with her red hair, and I think to myself, I've got to fight back, because if I don't, this little girl is going to become an orphan. Mm -hmm. So I looked around this bubble inside, and I thought to myself, what tools do I have to fight back with? And I saw, oh, okay, there's a phone. Okay, there's a fax machine. And I have some paper here, and I have a pen. I have a pencil. That's it. Those four tools. And with those four tools, I began talking, getting on that telephone, just like a blind man uses a white cane to navigate through the world. I relied upon that telephone as my white cane, as my only connection to the outside world. And with that telephone, I was able to contact some of the top scientists in the United States. And I had an aha moment when I spoke to one of them. And that aha moment was this. I had discovered, the scientists had told me, that my plight was just a tip of the iceberg of millions and millions of Americans and people all over this globe that are getting sick and dying every day from environmental exposures in their own homes, schools, workplaces, and local neighborhoods. So I thought to myself, my goodness, I'm not alone. But, but 
this news is even worse because it's coming out in different forms of disease. You know, many cancers and heart disease and autoimmune syndromes and lupus and scleroderma and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's are all interrelated to common environmental exposures. What I discovered was is that all human disease and premature death boil down to only two common denominators, and they are, number one, the genes that you're born with, and number two, the environment that you are exposed to, other than war, crime, and accident. That's amazing. So what does that mean? It means that more people get sick and die from environmental exposure than all those afflicted with AIDS, automobile accidents, war, and crime combined. This is the silent epidemic of the 21st century. So how does it show itself in the form of cancer? Well, let me give you some cancer statistics, okay? The American Cancer Society has just come out with a report that one out of every two males are going to get cancer in our lifetime. And one out of every three females are going to get cancer in their lifetime. And cancer is the number one cause of death in our children. So let's take the cancer step further and say, well, why is all this happening? Let me give you a clue. The National Institutes of Health has come out with a report that seven out of all ten cases of cancer is caused by the environment that you're exposed to. you believe that? That means if you're in an oncologist's office and you're waiting to see, and you have cancer, and you're in the waiting room, and there's 10 people in that waiting room with you, seven of them got there because of the environment that they were exposed to in their own home, their own school, their own workplace, and, or their own neighborhood. That's huge. It, so, you know, it's tremendous, and um, I want to thank Keith um, and say hello to him for highlighting, because I do want to mention that uh, while you're tuning in on Facebook Live or you're listening on audio uh, later, you can go to alanbell.me, that's A-L-A-N-B-E-L-L.me, and you can uh, read all about his process. You'll also see his book. It's titled What His Life uh, Journey Has Been, called Poisoned, and it is an Amazon bestseller, and you can order it today. Uh, This is the kind of book also that you want to order to send to friends and to family members um, so they can read it from a different angle and a a different person. And, you know, spot on, Alan, because... Um, well, first of all, the statistics are staggering in what's going on now. That That is for sure. Um, but the other part is, you know, you're so right. Often it's the last thing that people think about, you know, or they never think about it at all. Well, maybe, you know, the home I'm living in has has mold and toxins and stuff like that. I had that recently uh, happen in my home, and I'll, just do the short overview of that, um, is that I kept in the evening when I would go home from my office, I start feeling I was a little hoarse and I would clear my throat. And I went, there's something in this house. I've had the house for five years. You know, what is it? You know, there's something in this house. Well, the short of the story is that um, in the meantime, I had a small cracked piece of tile in a half bathroom downstairs And so I asked the um, maintenance guy, uh, a friend of mine, if he would, you know, bring up one tile, because I'm just thinking I don't want to, I want to fix it. You know, I just want to get the one tile replaced. But when he lifted it up, Alan, there was cork tile underneath. There was all this water that the whoever, you know, we had bought the home from had never really done it properly. And so this commode had been not seated properly. It had been leaking under there, and there was the mold. It was everywhere, mm-hmm. and that's what was affecting me. Um, and it, it all changed once I got the tile replaced. So 
I love the mission that you're on. And obviously, for a lot of people, we're talking a lot more extreme than a horse throat. But that is where it can start. And it can end up in a much, you know, greater place of severity. I want to invite our guest on Facebook Live to put your comments in, uh, your questions, and maybe some of your own experiences for us to share as well. And, Alan, this is awesome. I mean, this is powerful what you're doing. Thank you for doing it and letting your uh, life shine. I will highlight that with Alan talking about his little red-headed, uh, blue-eyed girl, You'll see when you go to the website that she definitely got his eyes because they're piercing blue. You got you got to get ready for that before you go on his website. You have beautiful eyes, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. God bless. God bless me God in that bless. way, right? God bless us all. So, from criminal attorney assisting Miami Vice and advising them of how to do their show and how the system works to the discovery that. You had been poisoned because of the office environment that you had been in. Now, we talked about symptoms like fatigue, hurting, eyes, watering. Uh, did you did your weight change at all? Did that remain that your appetite? I mean, is there any other areas that we're skimming over that we need to mention? Because people share our show with people all over the world, and I don't want to miss any any moment. Can you describe all the symptoms again for us? Sure. Well, I was a 190-pound athlete before I was exposed to these toxins. Okay. And I went down to 145 pounds. Oh, wow. And um, I w- was getting grand mal seizures. That's, that's how it ended up. <clears throat> it first started off like you, you, like you feel like you have a cold. Okay, your nose gets stuffy. Your eyes start itching. You have a little difficulty in breathing. You know, they they told me that I had asthma-like symptoms. I had never had asthma before. I started getting achy like I had a flu, um, feverish like I had a fever, fatigued like it was hard to get out of bed. I mean, I was running six miles a day before this happened to me. And it progressed to the point where I was getting seizures and they they didn't know why. Now, it's interesting that you brought up this mold issue. And when I heard you telling your audience your story about mold, the thing that came to my mind was is that I had represented 168 people in an apartment complex in Bakersfield, California, uh, as their lawyer. And there was an infant that died, several other infants that were hospitalized, and over 100 people that got sick from the mold in their apartment complex. So this black mold, which is otherwise known as stachybotrys, can kill you. It could actually kill you. The mycotoxins that are generated from mold are one of the most toxic chemicals, substances known to man. So when people, you know, most doctors don't understand this, The average doctor only gets six hours of instruction in medical school on how the environment adversely affects human health, yet most disease is caused by environment. So when you get these sets of symptoms and you go to an average physician, they're probably going to misdiagnose you. What they should be asking you is is simple questions like, well, let me ask you something, Mr. or Mrs. Patient. When, when you first developed these symptoms, did, did, did anything different occur in your life? Did you move to a new place? Are you working in a new place? That should be the first question, the first clue that you should ask. What's changed in your life, if anything, right before these sets of weird symptoms came on? Mm-hmm. And if something did change, what was it? And look at it. If you got a new job, look at the office building. If you moved into a new house, look at that. If you renovated your house, look at that. If you put in new carpeting, look at that. If you painted your house, look at that. And the list goes on and on and on. But those are the, those are the basics. You, you need to know, you need to evaluate, has your life changed in any way that could have contributed to these sets of symptoms that you're, that you're coming down with? And people from all over the world contact me, thousands of them, with very similar stories, whether they're Gulf War veterans, Vietnam veterans, people working on the assembly lines at Boeing, 
a manufacturing plant that were poisoned by the chemicals that they're working in and producing airplanes. The list goes on and on and on. And invariably, the, the most common denominator in all of these cases is the environment that they were exposed to. So I'm really hearing you, and I'm, I'm just reiterating what you've just said. I want to welcome my friend Rick to the show, too. Um, I'm, I'm hearing that you're, you're really wanting people uh, to get it and to pass on to others and to share an everyday conversation. When people are telling you that they're starting to have various symptoms in their lives or, you know, they're feeling something change, um, that on the front and center of that conversation, a person needs to be aware of the stories about their environment. That And rather than that be an oh-by-the-way conversation, what I'm hearing you say is that needs to be on the forefront of the conversation. Where do you live? Where do you work? Um, if you're in a if you're in a, a condominium or an apartment building, then we we really ought to um, make sure to ask around. If you live in an apartment complex and you're finding some of these things happening, ask your neighbors. You know, talk to other people and get some insight there. That's or right. have you moved into a new office. Um, and and when did you move? And were you like this a little bit before you went there? And and everything about that. I know when we uh, decided to replace the carpet here in our in our larger sanctuary, we put more energy into the glue they were using or not using than we did the color of the carpet. Um, because you can really you know greatly impact people for those environmental toxins. I, I just, this is such an exciting um, conversation for me. And um, for so many of you, uh, Jax is on our show, uh, Alan, and he's talking about how he moved into a flat and it had asbestos um, in the tile. And sure, also a new sure, pl- sure. Uh, place in work. And that his his body, his, his he was physically having Exactly the same things that that you're describing. Okay. Um, how long have you been doing this, Alan? As far as being an activist and and letting people know about this, when did the book come out, and you know all of that? Okay, well, you know the rest of the story is is <clears throat> so I ended up inside this bubble. That's that's where I ended. That's where I uh, uh, sort of stopped in, in my journey. Okay. Yes. And um, so here I am in this bubble. And I find out that I'm not alone. Uh, and then it, it and, and then it, it, this is something very interesting that happened. On very rare occasions, I was able to get into the car with an oxygen tank and dry when the weather was just right, and I was my my condition was somewhat stable inside the bubble. On very rare occasions, I would get in the car with oxygen and drive to the top of a mountain which is nearby. It was about a 45-minute drive, and it was 9,500 9, uh, feet above sea level. And I, and I would go there with my daughter and I, because when you get to the top of the mountain, there was absolutely no pollens, no molds, no chemicals. It was just a very pristine environment covered by snow. It was a snow-capped mountain. So one day I decided to go up there again with my daughter. So we drove up to the top of the mountain. It was just a beautiful, incredible ride to the top. And once we got to the top, there was a chairlift. And there was hardly anybody there. It was like springtime, but there was still snow on the ground. But you started to hear birds chirping. uh, And it was just a beautiful, incredible place. So my daughter and I got on the chairlift to go to the top of the mountain. And as we're riding up the chairlift to the top, my daughter starts ask, starts a conversation that was very out of character with any conversation she and I ever had before. And it started off like this. Daddy, she points down below as we're going up on this chairlift, is God in, this, in that rock down there? Hello? Yes. Oh, I, I heard something. I don't know what that was. Um, so your daughter was saying, can we yeah. go up in the chairlift? 
Yeah, so so she said, can we go up in the chairlift? I said, yeah. Um, and then she said, uh, as we were going up on the chairlift, she pointed down at a rock below us as we were going up on the, on the lift. Uh-huh. She said, "Is Dad, Daddy, is God in that rock? <laughs> I paused for a second and said, well, yeah, God's in that rock. And then a second later, she pointed to the tree, a pine tree, and said, is God in that tree? I said, yeah, God's in that tree. And then she said, is God in that bird that's chirping? Yeah, God's in that bird that's chirping. And then all of a sudden, I've got to tell you, something hit me. Something was infused into every cell in my body. I don't know what it was. It was, I, it was as if I left the conversation with her and I was in some other realm um, and there was a message that was infused into me and the message was you need, to, you need to let everybody else know what's going on. People need to know. People need to be helped. And it wasn't a voice that I heard. It wasn't an image that I saw. It was just an infusion of this message simultaneously, instantly, in every cell in my body. And I'm, and I'm in this altered state, and I'm thinking to myself, what, what? And suddenly my daughter shook me. Daddy, 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 are you okay? Are you all right? And I snapped back into the moment and looked at her, and I thought, what had just happened? Yeah, honey, I'm okay, I'm okay. She says, Daddy, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, nothing. I'm okay, I'm okay. And the ride down that chairlift, I kept thinking to myself, what, what had just happened? And, and I thought to myself, how can I help other people when I can't even help myself? Mm-hmm. And what, you know, what is this? And I just shrugged it off and thought to myself, you know, whatever happened, you know, uh, you know I'm going to forget about it. I can't explain it and move on with my life. But it, it wasn't that easy. Whatever happened on that mountaintop stayed with me. And as the days passed and the weeks passed and the months passed, this message that was implanted inside of me kept growing stronger and stronger until I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I, one day I picked up the telephone and thought to myself, who am I going to call? Who am I going to tell? And I called up the University of Arizona asked for the medical school, they answered the phone, and they said, can I help you? And I'm looking at the phone, I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say to these people? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit different bill for you, right? From a a criminal attorney to someone who's researching medical profession. What a shift. Yeah, so so, so anyway, I I, I said, "Let, let me talk to the Department of Environmental Health. They put me on the phone. And that was the beginning of, of, a, of a whole shift in, in the direction of my life path where I ended up starting a charity called the Environmental Health Foundation. I got the top scientists on the planet behind it. I got Al Gore to support it, Gene Cernan, who was the commander of Apollo 17, celebrities like Alan Thicke, Jason Priestley, Matthew Perry, Perry Kenny Loggins from Loggins and Messina, and top scientists from Harvard and Yale and Johns Hopkins and Centers for Disease Control and Environmental Protection Agency and National Institutes of Health. And we raised money, donated it to research, and, and tried to make a difference for research. Now, at this, you know, while I was doing this, um, we put, I put together a summit at the Biosphere 2. Have you ever heard of the Biosphere 2? No, I haven't. Please tell well, us. It, it, it's, it, it was a major project uh, that was put together through Columbia Medical School and NASA. And what they did is they put people inside this enclosed complex, and it really did look like a, a bubble. And, and they learned how to survive in a closed environment, how to grow their own food, recycle their own air, dispose of their own waste uh, in preparation for a mission to Mars. So I thought that this would be a great place to put, bring these scientists together and have a think tank. Well, I put together this summit at the Biosphere 2, 
And, of course, I couldn't leave the bubble. I did all this from inside the bubble, okay? So I put together this summit, and my little girl, Ashley, went as my representative on my behalf to represent me at this summit. And it was at this summit, unbeknownst to me, that this redheaded little girl started walking, this gutsy redheaded little girl, I might add, started walking up to different scientists and saying, excuse me, sir, you're here raising all this money for research to help millions of people. Why can't you help my daddy? (laughs) And one of them bent down and said, here, here's the name of a, a phone number of a doctor who I think could help your dad. And it was through that gutsy move that this little girl made that led me to this doctor, that gave me this new anti-seizure medicine, that got me back out of the bubble. So here's an irony twist of fate of me fighting to stay alive so she wouldn't become an orphan. And it was actually her that ended up saving her daddy. So what did I do from there? I jumped back into the legal arena. And instead of prosecuting one crime at a time, I went after what I believe was the ultimate crime which is the crime against humanity, which humanity is committing against itself. We have created a Frankenstein. We are living and bathing in toxic chemicals that are literally killing us. So I started representing poor people that had nowhere else to turn to that were being poisoned in court and going after these big, bad corporations that were poisoning them. So I hooked up with a lawyer. Have you ever heard of the movie Aaron Brockovich? Yes, of course. Yes, well, and so well, I hooked up. I hooked up with. I hooked up with her boss. His name is Ed Massery. He's the lawyer that, in the movie. Well, he's the actor. He's the real life guy that the actor played in the movie. Yes. And um, uh, and I also hooked up with another famous lawyer. I don't know if any of your listeners have ever heard of the movie A Civil Action, starring John Travolta, but it was another lawyer movie. And it was based on a real-life lawyer. His name was Jan Schlickman, and I hooked up with him as well. And I started fighting for people, you know, that were poisoned in the environment. But one of the things that this scientist told me was way back when, when I was in the bubble, they said, you need to put a face on this issue, Alan, because prevention is the key. It's not treatments. It's prevention. And you need to put a face on this issue. So you can alert people so they can modify their lifestyle and minimize their risk and prevent themselves and their families from getting sick to begin with. And you need to be that face. That's what they told me when I was in the bubble. I said, oh, no, (laughs) I'm not going to be that face. I don't want to expose the way I look in my condition to anybody. But I never forgot about what they told me back then. And instead of going after one jury at a time, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've come back to write a book, to put a face on this issue, to make a difference, so millions of people can, can be reached. Because the thing is this: the good news is this. You know, this is not all doom and gloom, Temple. This is good news because it's a hundred percent preventable. And if you arm yourself with knowledge, you can modify your lifestyle, minimize your risk, and prevent yourself and your family from becoming another statistic. And that's one of the things I did in this book. I laid out how widespread this problem is. I explained why this problem exists, which we haven't gotten into yet, which I could talk about later if you'd like, and what you can do to protect yourself and your family. And I listed the top ten toxic chemicals to stay away from and where they're located and the top 20 ways to modify your lifestyle and minimize your risk and get your, get your lifestyle changed. You see, the game has changed. You know, good health is no longer just about diet and exercise. It's also about what you breathe and what you touch. It's just as important. So... Absolutely, might... because because what you're breathing in is your is your your main your breath your lung system and um, and it, it's key you know you're you're so spot on um, with how we're impacted by that um, yeah so give us some of those um, everyday examples of, of what we want to look for and 
you know, how we can avoid and how we can do better. And I, I do want to urge everybody that the, the biggest answer is to, to get the book. And, and it's not that Alan and I are trying to sell books. He's already a bestseller. It's that for you to have all the knowledge that you can that's available to you, and that's called Poisoned. And when you go to, you can get it through Amazon.com, you can get it through his website, Alan Bell, and that's A-L-A-N Bell dot me. Um, so, yeah, a beautiful, rich conversation. Uh, I know so many people that have been impacted by their environment, Alan. The numbers are amazing because that is something that, I have been aware of for quite some time. Um, and yet it, it can be complicated, just like my talking about the house, for you to know where it is. You know, you know something's wrong, but you don't know how to find it. That's that's true. Now, um, the thing is, is if you feel like there's something wrong, you know, on my in my book there's a resource guide where you can actually order simple test kits to okay. actually get it through the mail. They're very inexpensive. Well, you could order a radon test kit or an asbestos test kit or a mold test kit and actually test the air in your house, send it to the lab. They come back, they give you a report. If it comes back that you've got mold in your house, then you need to find out where it is. If it, come back, if it comes back that you have asbestos in your house, like that gentleman in his flat where he had it in his floor, the problem with asbestos is if you rip out that floor you're going to basically disperse everything on that floor into the air, which makes the problem worse. So in that scenario with that gentleman that has the asbestos problem in the tiles, the best thing to do with that is, is lay new tile right over it and encase it. Um, if you've got radon in your house, and you could determine that through a test kit, what you got to do is, see, radon is, a, is, is, is an isotope, and it, it's a naturally occurring um, radioactive uh, gas that comes from the ground. It's natural, and it's in the ground, not in all areas, but in some areas. And if you build a house on land that has radioactive you know, radon in the ground, it seeps up from the ground, and if there's any cracks in the foundation of your home, it goes through the cracks into, the, into your house, and you're breathing that. So if it comes back that you have high radon content, what you need to do is you need to figure out where there's cracks in the floor of your basement or your, the bottom floor of your house and seal up the cracks, and the problem goes away. But in the meantime, it's always good to regularly open up your windows and ventilate your house. Because whatever's going on inside your house will become diluted when you dilute it with fresh air from the outside. Now, the EPA states that the indoor air quality of a typical house is 10 times more toxic than the outdoor air. So it makes sense to periodically open up your windows and, and, and air out your house. I love that. I, I, I'm going to get the book because I'm going to do all the tests uh, because it and, and the other thing that we're not talking about that I bet your daughter was is that um, it makes all the, your your pets sick as well. Oh, yeah, especially your pets, especially the elderly, especially the young children. Those are the ones that are most at risk. You know, the EPA states, our own federal government, that 75 million Americans get sick each year from the buildings that we work in. That's just, that's just the buildings we work in. That doesn't even take into consideration the houses that we live in. So it's a huge problem. And, you know, and, and to our listeners that are not in the United States, it seems like the problem is more prevalent in the U.S., and there's a reason why that, that's happening. The reason is, is that in the United States, as a matter of law, all chemicals are presumed innocent until proven guilty, which yeah. means any manufacturer can sell any product they want, whether it's babies' clothes, babies' cribs, beds, whatever, could put any toxic chemical they want in there, and it's okay unless it's already proven guilty. 
So the result of that is that since 1950, more than 85,000 chemicals have been introduced into the environment of the United States, and few have been tested for their toxic effects on humans. But in contrast to the United States, other countries like Canada and certain countries in Europe like England, France, and Germany, chemicals are presumed guilty until otherwise proven innocent, which means they're not going to let a chemical into their company, into their country, unless it's shown that it's safe. You know, the average American, you think if you go into a store and buy a baby carriage for your child that it's, you know, that it's safe? No, that's not true. Or you build a house made out of Chinese drywall and it's filled with formaldehyde that's going to make you and your family sick? You know, America has become a dumping ground for toxic chemicals. So countries from all over the world are able to sell their toxic products here because it's legal. So what does that mean? What this means is this. We can't rely upon our government to protect us, especially in today's political climate. We can't rely upon our doctors to fix us, but we can, we can rely upon ourselves. If you arm yourself with knowledge, you can modify your lifestyle and prevent this from happening to you and your, and your family. Now, my message is not about closing smokestacks or standing on picket lines or lobbying in Congress or worrying about ice caps that are melting on the other side of the globe. Those are all issues that, that are good and other people are taking care of them. But this whole environmental movement boils down to this. What does it mean to you and me? It's all about, in my opinion, saving the humans. And if we can't save ourselves and our children and our children's children, what does this whole environmental movement mean anyway? So that's the message. It's taking it down to its raw bones. And, and, and that is, listen, you can, you can prevent this from happening to yourself and your family. And all you need to do is arm yourself with knowledge and modify your lifestyle and minimize your risk. Wow. So, t- so taking it uh, on to those of you who are listening, who do you know right now um, as someone that's elderly, um, as someone that has children that continue to have a cold, be sick, you know, those kind of things, looking for some things where there's some consistent irregularities in their natural health and, and look at where do they live? You know, where do they work? Where's daycare? You know, what are, what, what is it like and how can you advise them? Um, and how can you recommend that they get involved in, in this awareness? Um, so Alan, uh, in just my own curiosity, um, because I do all this homeopathy and everything before I get on that little tin can that takes us across the globe, um, with sharing it with lots of people. Um, what type of toxin situation do we have uh, with the flying industry? Sorry, uh, with the what industry? The flying, the airline industry. Oh, oh. well, it's, it's, it's interesting you, you asked me this question. Um, ironically, my daughter Ashley grew up to become a flight attendant for United Airlines. Wow. Okay? Okay. <laughs> and, and, and I've got to tell you that this week alone, I've been contacted by several flight attendants, some from some, a whole group of them from American Airlines, who were issued these toxic uh, uniforms to wear. And themselves and the pilots are getting sick from the uniforms that they're wearing. Yeah. I'm not surprised. And also... Also, these stewardess were flight attendants. That's what they call them today, right? I guess I'm showing my age, right? <laughs> um, the flight attendants, um, they explained to me that there's a procedure that they use in airplanes called bleeding the air. And what they do is to save fuel, they cut off the fresh air supply, okay, um, in the cabin. So they're just recirculating the old air. And there's a thing that they do to uh, with, with the engines where the actual uh, periodically, I think they said three flights a day in the United States, 
end up having this where, the, where there's some, some toxic chemicals that come out of the engine and goes right into the, right into the cabin where people are breathing this stuff. And I, I could tell you that there's about a dozen flight attendants who have already contacted me that have become permanently injured from the chemicals that are put into the air on, on these airplanes when they do this procedure. So it's, it's a crapshoot, and you don't know when you get on the airplane whether they're going to do that or not. On the average, they say it's three flights a day in the United States, which is you know very, very small amount. But you're playing Russian roulette, and all it takes is one, and your life is altered forever. Yeah, there's no doubt, no doubt about it. Alan Bell, it, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. We've been hanging on to every word so much so that we didn't even take a break today. We just worked right through it. Um, we've had lots of people that have been joining us from all over, and I would urge you to share this show with your friends and family and to get the information out there. In closing, Alan, is there anything you would like to leave us with? We want to remind everybody to to get those tests done in your home and where you work. Uh, a final word you want to leave with us, sir. Sure. Uh, the final word is this. You know, we're all equally at risk, okay? It doesn't matter if you're black or you're white or you're yellow or you're red. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter what religion you are, whether you're Christian, Muslim, or Jewish. We're all in the same boat. We're all breathing the same air, drinking the same water, and eating the same foods. And we're all at risk, and nobody is immune from this. So it's up to you to take back control over your own life, because nobody else is going to do that for you. Well, what a blessing, Alan Bell. Thank you for being with us. Uh, again, everyone, we love you following us at templehaze.com. If you also like other presentations, join us at firstunity.org. It's always a pleasure to have your interaction and have you connecting with us. Thank you, Marna. Appreciate you for your participation as well. God bless all of you. And remember that healthy living is de- designed to be natural. And if it's not coming natural for you, check it out and find out what you need to know to have this amazing, incredible life. Thank you again, Alan, for being on the show. And thank you, Dia, for referring. Uh, Bless you, everyone, on this amazing journey that we call life. We look forward to seeing you next week. Be well. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehays.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you or someone you love has ever failed at anything, remember, accomplishments are often built on successful failures. Our greatest heroes have survived setbacks and losses of some kind. What makes them heroic is their capacity to have compassion for themselves, 
to know when to reach out for help, and to always, always start again. We learn to do something by first believing and then by doing it. In Unity, we celebrate the spiritual gift of strength given to us by our Creator. There is an unlimited amount of strength and courage available to you now. Trust it and expand your life. The result will be positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Ever notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness. A yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, 
that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.